0: and good afternoon Uh, an afternoon that from where i am here in boston in the back bay is a beautiful day how about there in in northampton
1: buzz it is beautiful i i mean it's a little cloudy but it's nice it's warm it really hasn't rained there's been a couple sprinkles nothing to worry about Uh,
0: well, Brian Lapis says there's some unsettled weather coming.
1: <laughs> that could be tomorrow. I don't know. Maybe it's later tonight, so we'll see.
0: Well, unsettled is the operative word these days. So, uh, Dan, you've been thinking about what's going on in this country? What's yes. going on in the world?
1: I'm glad you brought up unsettled. You know, I've been uh, following the news pretty closely uh, in the last couple weeks, and there's just been two stories that stuck out to me, so I wanted to do a quick rant about them. So the first story is a poll I saw, which I know is in dispute. everybody has a poll saying anything? But one that caught my eye was a YouGov Yahoo News poll published just a couple of days ago that said 55% of Democrats and 53% of Republicans now believe it is likely America will cease to be a democracy in the future. So I again, they're not the major, Democrats and Republicans. Maybe are not the majority of the population, but a majority of them are worried, and almost fifty percent of independents share that concern that we may cease to be a democracy in the future. Which also is a bit vague. What does that mean in the future? Is that fifty years from now? So there, it might be a little nuance there. But either way, that caught my attention. But then this one. Added to that. So this story came out a couple days ago. Former U.S. President Bill Clinton said there's a fair chance that the U.S. could lose its constitutional democracy. And that scared me because I was like, wait, Bill Clinton was the former president here. And, And then he added that he has never been as worried about us losing our constitutional democracy. And so... I might have not told you this buzz, but I enjoy researching these topics about what scholars are publishing and reading and and here's what I've uncovered that if you look at the data and you know how important data is, right buzz, data explains everything. Everybody wants data. I right? Yeah, I believe in
0: facts. Facts,
1: yeah. right? The facts come from data and there's a lot of agencies that calculate the state of democracy, not just in the United States, but globally. But I'm going to focus on the United States first, and then I'll expand out. And so uh, I'm going to give you a, a couple of data points uh, about the state of U.S. democracy here. There's a, a, a one type of data collection called Polity, and it's it's used by a lot of academics and scholars, and they have shown in, in the last couple of years America has dropped from a Positive 10 to a positive 5. Now, it doesn't seem like a big drop from 10 to 5. However, by being a 5 now in America in 2020, America officially became what the scholars in this field call an onocracy. And according to Barbara Walter, who is a professor at the University of California in San Diego, who first brought this to my attention, You know, this hasn't happened to America since 1800. You know, because they calculate data even going back to 1800s and and before for certain countries. So to me, that really sticks out. And she wrote a book, Why Civil Wars Start. But she also discusses uh, uh, the United States. And uh, and she's not projecting that that's what's going to happen here in the United States. Actually, she says it's more likely there's going to be a low-intensity political infighting among different factions. Um, but either way, that caught my attention. Then I, I read Freedom House. And Freedom House, people should know, is a uh, entity that does get some support from the State Department. And it publishes reports and data on democracy worldwide. They've been talking about the decline of democracy globally since 2006. But only in recent years have they even brought up the United States and the decline in democracy. They have noted in in the last couple of years, America, out of 100 points, dropped from 94 in 2010 to 83 now. Now, 11 points doesn't sound much, but in a 10-year span, that's quite a drop, Buzz. And it's the first time since Freedom House has been collecting data in 1973, okay, that America no longer has a perfect score, which you know, should shock listeners to think about because it's like this This hasn't, according to the data of Freedom House, hasn't happened before, but it is happening now. America's uh, political uh, institutional score has declined. Um, so I also looked at one, one other uh, agency. They're called VDEM. They're based out of, I believe, in Sweden. Okay? They have a, something called the Liberal Democracy Score. And it has dropped from 0.83 to 0.73 in just one year, from 2016 to 2017. I was looking up the score last year. And, and I, I, I swear, I looked at all of the countries of Europe and you know Japan, and I wanted to see if anybody else had declined as much as the United States in a span of one year. And I did not find it. Not by that amount. Not by literally 0.1%. Uh, uh, points here collected by this, uh, it's called Varieties of Democracy. They they shortened it, called the VDEM. So, Buzz, what does this all mean? I, I think what it's saying is we all realize America's democracy is declining. It doesn't mean America's democracy is ending or in some terminal decline. But it isn't common to see a... Uh, institutionally strong democracies like the United States or Great Britain or other countries begin to decline. And so I begin to ask myself, and this is the question I don't think there's yet been a answer to, is why is this happening? What is causing this to happen? right? And I think <laughs> I think some of us might try to blame the Republican Party. I've actually looked at some data, and, and it, really, if you go back to 2006, there's been quite a few changes that I think have happened to, to American democracy, and here's my answer to why this is, why the decline of democracy has been happening. Okay? I think a couple things have changed. I think the first one is 9-11, and from that, Afghanistan and Iraq, specifically Iraq. I think what that did is it, it, first of all, it, it definitely challenged, as you know, uh, civil liberties in the country. You know, how far America is willing to fight this global war on terror? What does that actually mean? But then on, on top of it, I think the Iraq war further separated the political parties, the Democrats and Republicans, right? Um, there was a lot of clashes from that war. And then you look at 2008, that economic crisis, which I think also shook the foundation that both the Democrats and Republicans were united behind, which let's just say it was a center-right, center-left negotiation. They would maybe change a couple of things, but they pretty much agreed. I mean, if we go back to Bill Clinton's era, he was the one that was deregulating Wall Street and doing all these things that Republicans supported him, free trade as well, right? It was that era that this is, this is the way that we should be governing. We needed to reduce the size of government and government uh, programs and we let the free market flow arrives 2008 it changes that fundamental relationship right and then there's um another one in that same year 2008 and i think it's the election of barack obama now i bring him up because i think the election of the first african american in the united states further polarized the most polarized voters in both parties in the sense that Democrats were willing to defend him at all costs and Republicans were just called him the worst names possible. Now with Joe Biden in power, they don't even mention Barack Obama all that often, right? They, they're stuck to Biden. He's worse than Obama, right? It just keeps happening every time you elect somebody, but the Republican party just pulled further and further away. Instead of trying to work with Barack Obama, let's say on healthcare, when senators would meet with Republican voters, they they were like you can't help any of this this is socialism this is communism is going to destroy america right and then obviously i i think the other accelerant in the polarization within the political parties i would say the next one would be donald trump's election in 2016 and then you could go one further than that the pandemic so when you take all of these events together i think what this has created is it's created a very strong polarization within certainly i think democrats republicans and from that the political parties now if you want to branch out and say how do most americans feel maybe most americans are still relatively in the center but they're not engaged necessarily within the political process of democrats and republicans at least that's what a lot of the political science uh scientists in america are saying right that the uh, American population isn't really divided on 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 most issues they have clear visions but the political parties and those consistent voters the most polarized voters are in fact further and further separated apart and I think when you when you put that in together I think you realize why there's this deep polarization in the country and you see how the Supreme Court who some have thought were immune from this process because it was the Supreme Court that they're no longer as polarized um, as the political processes that they're apolitical, and I think you've now seen that. Um, certainly, the the Supreme Court claims this mantle of apolitical, but I think you see that how they're moving the country. Um, they want they, they're going to change it. We're probably going to be talking about this in the next week or so when they begin to strike down Roe v. Wade and they're willing to take this moment and challenge something that has been law for 50 years, it's part of what I'm describing here in this depolarization. I think the thing that worries me the most, Buzz, in this rant that I'm doing to you today is, I don't know what to tell citizens to do, You know, besides get involved locally in their local politics, take over you know, local government, and to build a ground game up because democracy, if it's going to survive, it's going to survive because people want to get engaged in the political process. I think the hard part for us is, how do you do that when you have to work, raise a family, you know, do all of these things, and you're supposed to care about the process, the, the, you know, the local democratic processes? You know, we, we, we need people engaged locally, but people oftentimes don't have the time or money or, or energy or don't know where to start or who to reach out to. But I think, ultimately, you see how at the grassroots level, we're missing engagement with people. So that, you know, that to me is uh, something I've been wanting to say, because I've, I've been reading these reports. Um, and by the way, I, I also want to mention before we go out, in reading these reports about the decline of democracy and the struggles America has, is everything I described to listeners about why I think it's happening in America, it's actually happening globally. I could, I could quickly, and, and I know people, whenever I talk about the world, they're, like, We're, they're not interested. But the same decline that is happening to American democracy in the last 10 years, so let's go back 12 years, since 2010, it has happened to Hungary, it has happened uh, to Israel, it has happened to Poland, it has happened to Russia, it has happened to Nicaragua, it has happened to quite a few countries all around the world where you've seen a decline in democracy, according to Freedom House. Brazil, India, uh, Philippines. I mean, what I'm describing while I focused on America isn't just an American phenomenon. There must be forces happening globally because I can't believe that all of these countries with different histories, different political systems are all suffering the same decline in democracy in roughly a same time period in a historical time period
0: well i believe in the minute we have left i i, I think that they are and i think that there's a lot of reasons for that obviously disinformation has something to do with it. The, yeah. the alt-right began in germany germany was going gangbusters but in about 2006 2007 i can't remember his name Elaine allen last name begins with a t um, began it, but he, he was sort of, um, you know, one of those wing extremists who hated immigrants and, you know, the, the immigrants were coming from Eastern Europe because they're members of Euro Europe, and he he wanted to leave that. But I think, you know, the other thing, when we come back from break, mm-hmm. the elephant in the room is this. I have spent my entire life wanting to respect everyone and understanding the people who lack sophistication to don't it's just a matter of education. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, about thirty percent of Americans are um just believing it. There's a difference between fact and belief. A belief cannot be tested. You just believe it or you don't. Right. And um people so many people here and elsewhere can't distinguish between a fact and a belief, don't know what critical thinking is, don't know what analytical reasoning is, and really don't care because they've made up their minds, usually for selfish, self-serving reasons. And
1: It's funny uh, you say that, because I, I was just listening to uh, Tom Hartman uh, earlier today on his radio show, and uh, a person called in and, and essentially had an argument with somebody you know, trying to dispel uh, the, the truth about what, what actually happened on January 6th with them and say, Well, why do you believe there's fraud that happened in 2020? Uh, there's no facts to back it up. There's 60 court cases, blah, blah, blah. And that person says, Well, I believe it to be true. I believe it in my heart to be true that fraud occurred, even, even without go. evidence, right? Even without necessarily proof. If you know it in your gut, it doesn't matter that that uh, evidence doesn't exist
0: these are things the you know western civilization quote unquote uh was to have learned during the enlightenment yes the age of reason <laughs> and, uh, so here we are we're sort of uh are we in the age of reason we're already heard, right <laughs> I don't let's know. take a break right All now right. we'll be uh we'll be back in a few minutes and we'll finish Dan's rant, which is very welcome. I'm I'm uh I'm fascinated. I mean i um, all buzz. ears. All right. We'll be back with Dan Torres and his rant of the day right after these messages.
2: This is the afternoon buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 1015 WHMP. On our next show. Following our fish wrap on Ukraine and the January sixth committee hearings, we'll have a change of pace. Our regular segment, "Sex Matters," with our show's resident sexologist, Dr. Jane Fleischman. Please join us Wednesday at nine o'clock. Bill
3: Newman, weekdays at nine, and again at five. WHMP News, Information, and the
2: Arts lundgren honda experience it now it isn't just one thing it is everything you expect when you're looking for your next car your first car or to repair your car award-winning customer service no hassle negotiation free
4: pricing and friendly familiar faces you know and trust with your vehicle hi it's rob from lundgren honda summer is heating up and we want you to be ready for those summer road trips so we are offering a summer road trip inspection One of our trained technicians will perform a thorough multi-point inspection of your vehicle along with an air conditioning and performance test and front end alignment check. This will ensure that your vehicle is safe, your AC is working to its potential and the alignment readings are within spec. All this for $49.95. So please call, stop by, or go online to lungrenhonda.com and make an appointment today.
2: Consumer Satisfaction Award winners two years running. Lundgren Honda proudly provides you with an award-winning experience. See the latest selection of new and certified pre-owned cars at 409 Federal Street and lungrenhondaofgreenfield.com Lundgren Honda of Greenfield. Experience it.
5: Learn Spanish, learn French, or German. Learn a language with the International Language Institute. Speaking the language with others who are learning is inspiring. ILI is a PDP provider for the state of Massachusetts and an accredited provider of continuing education units. Learn Spanish, French, German. Ten-week part-time classes start June 27th. Sign up online. One of the world's top language schools is right here, the International Language Institute in downtown Northampton.
0: Come on over to the co-op, the Greenfield Cooperative Bank.
3: Hi, I'm Jay Sealer, Vice President, Commercial Lending at the Greenfield Cooperative Bank and Northampton Co-op Bank Division. Our experienced local commercial lenders are here for you and
1: your business.
6: Hi, I'm Laura Guzik, Vice President and Commercial Loan Officer. Did you know GCB is a SBA-preferred lender? And unlike other banks, each of our team members has individual lending authority for fast, local decisions. And I'm Adam Baker, Vice President, Commercial Lending. We're here to help your business grow with commercial loans and lines of credit. You can reach any of our experienced commercial loan officers by phone or at bestlocalbank.com. We'd be happy to meet with you at your business
1: or at any of our Franklin and Hampshire County locations. Come on over to the co-op. Greenfield Cooperative Bank is an equal housing lender. Member FDIC, member DIF. You can count on your
6: friends at the COA.
2: This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP.
0: So we are back with Dan. Dan is discussing whether or not the microchip can survive this.
1: Yeah, or, um, or discussing its challenges in America today. I think, you know, the data I was laying out in the earlier segment, uh, people should look up. You know, there's Freedom House does research on this. Um, there's something called Polity Score that ranks countries all around the world. And and there's something called VDEM uh, uh, that also rates democracies and collects this data for people. Um, I, I know that that might bore people. But if you look at the last 10 years, there's been so many changes to the American score, which look like an aberration that they haven't seen, certainly since 1945. And so uh, I think this is, we're, we're in a, a stage where people are beginning to question the stability of American democracy. Like I said earlier, Bill Clinton was on the Late Late Show and talked about having a fair chance that the u.s could lose its constitutional of democracy I mean, he has never been as worried as he was in the last uh, four years and you know b- b- buzz not to not to frighten people but if if we the democrats can't figure out inflation bringing oil prices down food prices down restabilizing the economy the markets are already talking about a recession at the end of this year or next year or a very small recession that's going to hurt their chances for 2024, unless the economy zooms and recovers by the end of 2023, because we'll have an election in 2024. You know, we're, we're at the halfway mark at the end of this year. Um, and I think that's what scares me about the future is, will the Democrats be able to field a candidate? that will be able to protect these constitutional uh, institutions that that shield and protect our democracy. I I don't know what to tell people, but I I worry what's going to happen in November. I'm pretty sure that Republicans are going to take over the House the way things are looking right now. Things could change. Some people are talking about a blue wave, but I wouldn't put my money on it. And I think the Republicans are bound to, to take over. I mean, this usually happens to presidents. Democratic president gets elected two years later. Uh, the other party uh, takes over at least the House of Representatives. Who knows what can happen in the Senate? Um, and it will change things because if the Republicans take over the House, they can set up their own committee to investigate Hunter Biden's laptop, and Fox News and other conservative media outlets will go and just begin to dig in slowly, just like Hillary Clinton endured Benghazi. I, so I'm,
0: I'm not I'm not willing yet to give up on even the uh primaries in september and november election i am not willing to concede that i think the answer to your concerns is, is of course i'm big on education i want people to read the sources that you're laying out for them people should absolutely get them absorb them really focus on it but so here's the bottom line hmm. uh, th- there's two groups of people that we have to reach number one is those people who consider trump the guy, and no matter what is said by us, by the committee, by the mainstream media, there is no way that we're going to turn that roughly 30% of the population, and as long as they are so ardent in that regard, it's very hard to figure out how we get out of this mm. horrific place.
1: That, you know, number I, two is,
0: yeah. is the Democrats, the, the real answer? Hmm. Oh, did i lose you buzz you know we all throw our hands up we can get active and it could be just active in our small town it could be in a you know the state level it could be in a national level it could be going up to new hampshire and and trying to you know knock on doors or writing whatever cards. you know whether it's in the town common or what people have to get active and you know i I heard an idea i I was driving to boston i think i heard it uh might have been on whmp's stephanie miller show it was a caller Um, i just turned it on just as the caller was saying this and i thought brilliant after years of doing criminal law most cases that is 97 percent of cases end in a negotiated settlement they end in what's called plea bargaining and um I think if I were Merrick Garland because I already thought they had enough information before these uh, hearings were being conducted by the January 6th committee, but I think what we could do if if I was Merrick Garland, I could get my very best researchers and prosecutors to build the case and find the laws and go to Trump and go to Trump's children and say something like this. Here it is. You can take a chance. Here's our evidence. Here's the statutes. You could be facing life imprisonment for being an insurrectionist. You could be facing life in prison in New York. And I've got the district attorney in New York in on this plea deal. We could make a deal on these statutes. We're not going to cover those criminal possibilities, but these, here's the deal. You could avoid prosecution if and only if you go on TV you go in the newspapers you call press conferences you have your people distribute press releases and they say this i concede there was no fraud in the 2020 uh, uh, election i concede that what michael pence was doing was right i was wrong i believed something that wasn't true i've now come to understand is that the election was pure and because that's the only person that those people are going to listen to. Right. If somehow Trump recants, and that's a good way to get them to. We
1: we got to take either, a break, but you know? but but I I agree. But I actually wanted bring that up again in a future conversation, Buzz, because I, I want to have a conversation with you about media literacy and uh, the the difference of how internet communication is different than the written word. And see, I, I believe when Trump says that the election was stolen from him, I don't think he can ever take that back because to them, well, it's, it's, it, he it believes it in his life heart.
0: imprisonment. I think he this would risk it. This is the greatest narcissist we've ever heard of. This is a guy who... Narcissus, roll over, because now it's called Trumpism. All right, he, a he, he, here's a here's
1: a here's a counter argument I heard from a lawyer, and then we really have to take a break. He said, he said, the reason why Trump wouldn't be charged is Trump's Trump's defense is going to be, I have these lawyers in my office telling me fraud was happening, so I believed them, and so it wasn't true. But he believes it if to be those true. Those lawyers told are them.
0: going to be threatened with indictment. Yeah. If we have an aggressive Justice Department, those lawyers will collapse and say, I never told them that,
1: right. except
0: for Eastman. And so Eastman is, is going to be seriously, if he hasn't already, what discredited. About, what
1: about Jeffrey Clark? You know, he was an environmental lawyer, but he was apparently also feeding Trump that information, right? And so I can see Trump's defense being like, I was just listening to these guys who were telling me, you know,
0: Well, then go ahead and try it, Donald.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) There you go. I think you almost want to be the prosecutor in this case. (laughs) You bet. I
0: would love I've never prosecuted (laughs) two cases in my life. I would love to be the
1: prosecutor. All right. So
0: would about 17 million other lawyers.
1: (laughs) We got to go to break.
0: We got to go to break. We're looking forward to going to break. And when we come back, we got Jackie Walsh. Talking about far more uh, artistic things
2: involving Shakespeare and company. Be right back. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 1015 WHMP.
3: The Afternoon Buzz is brought to you by Lundgren, family run since 1964. Greenfield's largest automotive group is the place to buy your next Honda, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, or Ram. Experience it in Greenfield.
4: For WHMP News, I'm Jess Tyler.
5: State officials will be holding a virtual meeting at 7 p.m. related to the natural gas pipeline that Eversource plans to build from Longmeadow to downtown Springfield. The public will have an opportunity to comment on the project at tonight's meeting. Members of the Longmeadow Pipeline Awareness Group and other opponents to the project cite safety concerns over the high-pressure metering stations being built in a residential area and the impact on climate change that any build-out of fossil fuel infrastructure will bring. The Emergency Services Facility Committee in Northfield is reviewing a concept report on design options for their future public safety complex. The facility will cost approximately $13 million and has been in the works for years. The committee also moved to officially recommend a vacant lot on Main Street owned by Ed Snow, just north of Dickinson Memorial Library, as the preferred location for construction. Massachusetts unemployment is now under 4%. Employers added 5,500 jobs in May, while the statewide unemployment rate ticked downward 0.2 percentage points to 3.9 percent, according to labor officials. The vast majority of last month's job gains, about 4,800 positions, came in leisure and hospitality, an industry where seasonal changes often have an outsized impact. And Freedom Credit Union is celebrating their 100th anniversary by hosting a 100 Days of Summer Food Drive to benefit the Food Bank of Western Mass. The drive began on Memorial Day and will continue until Labor Day on September 5th. Freedom is accepting cash donations at all of their branch locations.
2: Mostly cloudy with afternoon and evening showers possible. Shower chances continue overnight with lows in the mid-50s. Wednesday is also looking unsettled with showers around. Highs on Wednesday in the low to mid-70s. The unsettled weather sticks around through Thursday. I'm Nicaresco on 101.5 WHMP. Printing costs sky high, businesses spend up to 3% of revenue generating documents, and many businesses fail to budget the expense. Sound familiar? Get a handle on your printing costs with Total Print Pro from H.L. Dempsey in West Springfield. H.L. Dempsey will do an on-site analysis of your copy and print usage and come up with a customized, comprehensive solution that will simplify your world and save you money. Go to HLDempsey.com to find out more. H.L. Dempsey, serving Western New England for over 50 years. H.L. Dempsey, just dependable. I'm going down to the corner
3: store. sounds like the beginning of an old chestnut from a mainly bygone era, unless you're at the corner of Maine and chestnut in Florence. Then when you say you're going down to the corner store, you mean Cooper's Corner. And when you walk in, you might feel like you've stepped into a bygone era. It's not too big, not too fancy. Your neighbor is the person behind the counter. And Cooper's is the kind of corner market that's cornered the market on everything on your shopping list. Well, almost everything. Trash bags, cilantro, dish soap, pork chops, Tempe, paper towels, Riesling. And like the corner stores of old, but with a very Florence flourish, Cooper's Corner is still a mom and pop shop, supporting the other mom and pops in the valley. Salad greens from Hadley, coffee roasted in Northampton, honey from Deerfield, kombucha from Greenfield. And they've got all the stuff you need from farther afield too. Greek olive oil, Italian pasta, German Riesling. Cooper's Corner, an old chestnut of a corner store on the corner of Maine and Chestnut in Florence. Open at 6 a.m. every day of the year.
2: This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP.
0: So I am uh, very excited about today's um, play bill with with Jackie Walsh. Jackie has invited Alan Burrows of Shakespeare and Company to be with us I, every year, uh, with the exception of the last two years, for reasons we all know. Um, we have gone to Shakespeare and Company and... Whether it's it's Louis Armstrong or Othello, we always have a great time. So, Jackie, take it from there.
6: Yeah, so um, I just want to start out by telling you about a show I went to on Sunday at Barrington Stage in Pittsfield called Ain't Misbehaving, the Fats Waller Musical Show. So I went thinking... Maybe it's not really theater, it's just, you know, people singing Fats Waller songs. It was so incredible. And there wasn't any script, it was all songs, but uh, so well acted, and the dancing was amazing. And I didn't realize how many Fats Waller. I mean, you're, you're a big music fan, Buzz. You may be able to name like five w- Fats Waller songs, but I, I was surprised well, at how many were familiar.
0: So how long is it going to still be playing?
6: So it is going through July 9th, uh, and it, it is amazing. So I ain't, uh, it ain't nobody's business if I do that song. I'm going to sit right down and write myself a letter. I had no idea that was him. And all these really funny songs, like the song Your Feet's Too Big, about all these... People that are highly attractive, except they have these massive feet that, you know, require an extra large coffin sort of feet. (laughs) Yeah, it was great. The costumes were great. It was fun. Um, It sounds
0: like a lot of fun.
6: Yeah. And it's only from my house in Shelburne Falls. It was like a 55-minute drive, which is not bad.
0: Right. Yeah. Berkshire County, there's so much wonderful that happens there, and so many people think it's far away.
6: Yeah. And a theater, go ahead. Sorry.
0: No, I was just going to say, you know, if you have a late night, it is kind of, you know, at my age anyway, you know, driving back is a little rough, but it's always worth it because there's so many wonderful cultural things like, for example, Shakespeare and Company.
6: Yeah, so uh, before we jump into Shakespeare, I just want to remind people of a couple other shows, Chester Theater, a little closer to Northampton, Shelburne Falls and Asheville, they're doing Pride and Prejudice through July 3rd. Williamstown Theater Festival has Man of God, which is a feminist thriller. That's all of July. Um, Dracula is coming up at the Colonial in Pittsfield. Can't wait for that one. The Majestic in West Springfield has Betty in the Patch, playing right now through July 25th about a local restaurant run by Betty and her daughter. And then we have Shakespeare and Company, which an Iliad is um playing through july and there's lots of other stuff coming up at shakespeare and company and we are lucky to have alan burrows who's the artistic director of shakespeare and company here on air how are you doing alan
7: uh thanks for having me on great to hear you both
6: yeah i'm so glad you can make it so just give us a rundown of this year's season
7: oh yeah sure well we just you know we opened up earlier this year because um for the summer season because of all the new folks that are up here in Berkshire County. So we just closed The Approach by Mark O'Row, an Irish play. And you're right, and Iliad is playing right now. Mm-hmm. That was a show that was done over at the Anchor Opera House with one of our company actors, Makania Chesser. And uh I really wanted to bring it over. It's a one person play, story of the Trojan War, and she just does an extraordinary powerhouse performance with this uh, story and people are just um, kind of deeply moved and somewhat kind of overwhelmed when they leave the theater after this production because uh, it's, such is the, uh, the kind of um, power that she brings to this story and uh, I highly recommend that. that so is uh, I'm hard. curious
6: is it a modern version of the Iliad?
7: No, it's, it's, it's written by uh, Dennis O'Hare and Lisa Peterson. She does have, you know, the, she spices it up with um, modern language occasionally, mm-hmm. but she also refers back to the Iliad, and it's, it's a modern-day telling. And it just really um, kind of circles back about the cyclical nature of war and what have we learned from it, mm-hmm. and where are we going with ourselves as humanity and uh, as a civilization. And um, it is um, she is a modern narrator, um, mm-hmm. and so it will reverberate a lot for people, uh, given where we are in the war. Uh, uh, I, saw two, things,
6: so. I saw two. I saw two one-women plays last year, and you know you think, hmm, can I really be interested for the whole play one person speaking? But they mm. were absolutely riveting.
7: Yeah. Yeah, we have more one-women plays coming up later in the summer in uh, a series that we're doing called uh, Plays in Process, mm-hmm. and that's kind of a look-in uh, in terms of how uh, these shows are devised. Tamara Hickey will do a one-woman play called This Is It, and, um, and then, of course, we have uh, th- three others in, in that series, as well as a Beckett play. And um, wow. and and that is that is great because it really opens up the conversation, which is important as we come back out of the woods of the pandemic. I mean, we were open last year. We did, you know, I, I built a new 550 uh, seat outdoor amphitheater, not alone, of course, but <laughs> <laughs> had plenty of help. And we did uh, King Lear with Christopher Lloyd and out on this space uh, coming up and we'll open on July 2nd, preview on July 2nd, is Much Ado About Nothing, which is, you know, a very, it's, it's the whole schmagega, really, that, this play, because um, it, it's funny, uh, it's lighthearted, but it also has real impact. And uh, Outside Under the Berkshire Skies, and that runs until August 14th. Uh, and you mentioned, Buzz, about getting home late. You won't get home late with this because we start at 6.30 in the evening Mm. just as the sun is going down behind Mm. the pines. We've added new lighting, uh, and uh, it's really a great kind of outdoor summer Berkshire experience. Mm. And then in July, uh, a walk in the woods. It's a two-hander about a, a Russian arms negotiator and an American arms negotiator. I swear, I... I scheduled it before the Russian invasion, mm. but it takes place in the, Cold, in the Cold War. It was on Broadway with Sam Waterston. You'll remember a uh, oh. very successful run of that. And we're bringing it back in our new context. Uh, it actually, in in spite of how hard it'll resonate for people, it also, uh, it's uh, it, it's got a lot of humor in it as well. That mm. takes place. Uh, we, we'll perform that on Saturday and Sunday mornings at ten thirty. I'm actually in it. I play the arm, American arms negotiator. Wow. Jonathan Epstein plays the Russian arms negotiator. Yeah, ten thirty a.m. This will be outside in the Roman Garden Theater. Wow. In our other outdoor theater, it, it's. I mean, the play takes place outside, and uh, and so we set it outside, and mm-hmm. that's directed by James Warwick, and that's actually a great time slot for us or has been in the past people show up they're fully caffeinated and uh mm-hmm. they're ready to uh see a play and then get on with the rest of their day mm-hmm. I'm and always, it's also in july sorry go ahead
6: i'm always curious about accents and whether plays use them or not so will there be a russian accent
7: yeah ah, yeah no johnny Einstein, he's he's a master of the, the russian accent mm-hmm. he, uh he can do every kind of nuance with it that uh, you'd expect um, and then in uh, uh, also later in July, July twenty second to August twenty twenty eighth, Reggie Life uh, will direct Lolita Chakrabarti's "Hymn." That's H Y M N about these uh, two men who meet at uh, their father's funeral, but only one of them knew the dad. And uh, it's a really uh, fascinating, um, kind of intriguing. Uh, adventure uh of these two men getting to know each other and uh it did very well in london and we're really happy to bring it over here and then also on our uh in our packer playhouse later in the summer uh we'll open measure for measure uh directed by alice regan
6: this is it's
7: just it's got everything as well this play measure for measure uh and uh, they talk about it as being one of shakespeare's problems Problem plays, mm-hmm. but I think they could talk about a problem play because it's just so fun to try to uh to try to navigate it as an audience member and uh it's uh we're, we're hissay Degans will be uh playing Isabella in that and we're really uh we're really excited we haven't done that on one of our big stages for many years
4: mm-hmm. and
7: then um the end of the season we'll have a uh, a play by Charles Smith. Uh, called Golden Leaf Ragtime Blues in our Elaine Bernstein Theater about these two, um, w- w- ancient, uh, vaudevillians. And, uh, this young kid shows up in one of their houses. One of the vaudevillians is actually a ghost. And, uh, but it's, uh, that's got some, uh, ragtime in it. You were talking about music earlier. And mm-hmm. this is, uh, um, it, it's just, uh, a great relationship play and a lot of, a lot of fun as well. Wow. The play process um, happens uh, weekends uh, throughout July and August. And uh, and so we really have come back with a full boat. I mean, I think um, that uh, we'll be in good stead with all of our outdoor theater programming that we're doing. I think people will feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. People have been a little slow to get back. Um, but um, being outside in terms of as it relates to the uh, – the, the, the pandemic, um, people are feeling a little more comfortable. It's funny, you know. Last summer um, was our first summer back, uh-huh. and uh, th- there were fewer variables. Um, it felt like like it was more straightforward. We have many yes. more unknowns about how to navigate this current environment because all of us are have been saying, "Oh, wait, I, I I'm vaccinated, and I'm still just as likely to come down with this." Yeah, thing, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, it's hard. I noticed.
6: I, I saw a story that uh Broadway is now dropping its mass requirement for audiences, which um yeah. you know they've had throughout the pandemic. So um yeah. yeah. We we, we we'll
0: have, a, we'll we have, have to take a break. I just will through. say for for all of us in the uh the valley and the hilltowns that you know my, what my wife and I aspire to do is every year we try to go to Shakespeare and Company and and not to take business away from you. We try to go to Jacob's Pillow once, try to go to Tanglewood because uh, it's just it's just so much great performing arts in in the Berkshires and I you know there I've had some really memorable experiences at Shakespeare and company it, Othello with I think John Douglas Thompson was that his name yeah yeah', uh, it was yeah. such a oh. just a fantastic performance and even though we can't be indoors now the facility there the theater that you guys built is just so wonderful you feel like you're like right there on the stage. It's uh, incredible. I can't wait. The fact that it's outdoors is very comforting to me. We unfortunately have to take a break, Alan. And well, fortunately, we have to take a break, Alan. And we'll be right back with you and Jackie right after these messages. Everybody's stuff is great.
4: Happy talk, keep talking happy talk. Talk about things you'd like to do.
2: This is the afternoon bus with Buzz Eisenberg, 1015 WHMP. When it's happening here in the valley, we're talking about it. Northampton is an expensive place to live. East Hampton is less expensive than Northampton. Holyoke is less expensive than East Hampton. Northampton is not responsible for making
3: everybody that wants to live here able to live here. I mean, this is a true, real impediment for folks that are coming into Northampton looking to use a Section 8 voucher. This acts as another barrier to be getting
2: into those units. 1015, 1400, and 1240. We are the Valley. We are WHMP. Stop what you're doing. The financial markets are in ruins. You're in debt, here, and you hate your job, and you keep hoping for a better way. There is my one-man show, Yield of Dreams. I'll demystify your money myths, transform your life, and entertain you all at the same time. Curious? Join me, Charlie Epstein, June 23rd, 24th, or the 25th, at Polio Community College for a financially entertaining evening. Get tickets at YieldofDreams.live. Free for all students, and start living a life of wonderment, joy, laughter, and play.
0: Pacific Printing in Northampton has been a leader in screen printed and embroidered apparel in the Pioneer Valley for 30 years. With 8,000 square feet of production, Pacific Printing produces thousands of custom garments for businesses, schools, teams, and events. Let the team of Pacific Printing create a professional look for you. Visit us at Damon Road in Northampton or OceanofPromotion.com.
5: Do you know what's happening this Friday at 9 a.m.?
3: Is this week's Shop Friday local burgers and fries?
5: Correct! They go on sale this Friday at 9 a.m. Full value gift certificates and you save 30%.
3: Local burgers and fries on the corner in Northampton on the main Dragon Keen plus local Burgie Burgers and barbecue in Williamsburg.
5: Get ready to save 30% beginning Friday at 9 a.m. The Shop 30 store at WHMP.com.
4: Inflation-battered consumers are finding no relief at car dealers. Rising interest rates and sky-high vehicle prices have resulted in record-high car payments for both new and used vehicles. The average monthly payment on a new car is now $656. It's $546 for the average used car. Gasoline prices may have peaked for now. AAA reports the national average price of regular has retreated well below its record high of 5.01 a gallon. Gas Buddy's Patrick DeHaan predicts the price could fall to 4.75 a gallon by the July 4th holiday. Brompton Bicycle is recalling about 2200 of its popular Brompton electric folding bikes sold in the US and Canada. The company says the front wheel can lock up, posing a threat of injury to the rider. The company has received 10 reports of crashes. I'm Mark Huffman. Learn more at consumeraffairs.com. This
2: is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP.
0: And welcome back. We are here with Jackie Walsh and her playbill. And I was wondering, Jackie, if you can find out from Alan what the facility is really like no, um, because right. a lot of us are dying to go back to theater. Right,
6: All right. So Alan is with Shakespeare and Company, and they have, a, I think, a couple different places where you can watch shows, and one features uh, big spruce trees. So can you tell us about that facility first? Yeah,
7: sure. Yeah, we have four different theaters. Uh, one is the Packer Playhouse, where people can take in measure for measure, and Elaine Bernstein, um, and... Then outdoors we have the new spruce theater uh, that we constructed last year, kind of in reflection of where we were over at the mount. It's in front of these towering spruce trees, and we do have very comfortable seating. I just want to point that out to your audience, and that is the, you know, the the camp, camp chairs, which are uh, we got the high end version of those, um, and uh, so people will be comfortable. And then uh, also in the Roman Garden Theater is uh, uh, Lee Blessing's A Walk in the Woods. And so, um, you know, if people are going inside to see one of our shows, people should probably, uh, also understand that we do have fully upgraded HVAC systems where, uh, just for people's comfort and enjoyment and sense of reassurance, uh, the air is, uh, fully exchanged, um, uh, in, in just about six minutes. So wow. it's really, uh, yeah, it's a safe environment in which to see a show. It's really important for us. Mm-hmm. You know, if, uh, any, if any of your listeners are looking for to do something this Saturday, we are having our, our big, uh, uh fundraiser, our uh, Sapphire gala, uh, will feature John Douglas Thompson. As you mentioned, Buzz, he's going to come back and do something for us as well as, um, uh, Brian Cox will be there and a whole host of uh, uh, company members will be um, so, doing something along with Tom Gold Dance and members of the uh, Boston Symphony Orchestra. So, so uh, that's this Saturday. That sounds fantastic. Yeah. So
6: I was intrigued coming across Wednesday Walks on your website. So I assumed it was someone, you know, walking and reciting Shakespeare. But no, it's sort of a look behind the scenes at, uh, backstage and other places in the, in the theater. So can you tell us a bit, I, I just think that's, that's really interesting. Tell us a little yeah, bit about we, that. We,
7: yeah. It's, it's a, it's a great way to get a peek behind the scenes. We do have kind of an extraordinary facility here. Um, and, uh, you know, with four theaters, a scene shop, costume shop, oh. and, uh, and there's just, uh, it's an insider's view on what uh, goes into putting these shows together. A lot of our costumes are built from the ground up. Our sets are certainly put together from scratch. And, uh, and people get really excited to see kind of how the stories are made from a design perspective. And, uh, and we're happy to show it to them. And we, we really want to invite people to come to our grounds anytime, too. I mean, we have, it's a great place to picnic. Mm-hmm. 32 acres. Um, you can just wa- you know roll right up, get out of your car, unload your picnic. You can picnic here all day long. We also have you know uh, uh, full bar service. And we have snacks, and so people can make a whole uh, day of it here. Nice,
0: um, Alan. And- you used to have an awning where people could picnic under the awning, mm-hmm.
7: right? Oh yeah, yeah. We have a tent where people can pull up in in whatever weather and. Uh, and then just you know walk around, bring your dog, let your dogs run around. Sounds fantastic. Uh, and, uh, and your kids, you know, <laughs> I mean it's uh, it's it's really uh, it's it's a great romping ground. So right. we want to p- invite people to come take in the shows and really um, and and take in kind of the whole Berkshire experience right here. Nice. In Linux.
6: So I read that you were the artistic director in Boston. At yeah. the actor's Shakespeare project. So we only have one minute, but do you have a, do you have a short little memory from that?
7: Yeah, I, uh, I, you know, we were an itinerant company. We did shows all over Boston. It was uh, a company that, um, this group of very talented artists and, uh, you know, they, I'm, I'm glad I'm still connected with them. They represent Shakespeare on that side of the state. and We represent it out here and, uh, uh, if, if anyone's in Boston, do take in a show with the uh, Actors Shakespeare Project. Okay. Can, great. So.
6: Well, unfortunately, yeah. we've run out of time. This was Alan Burrow from Shakespeare and Company. There's a fantastic season. Just head on to their website, and there's something going on pretty much every day.
7: That's right. Shakespeare.org. Great. Thank you, Alan. Break a leg. Thank you. Thank you This both. is the
2: Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP.
6: Be so nice
3: to come home
2: too. Do you use home oxygen? Do you know about the increased risk of fires? The only, fire only live and local in the Valley Spockier and for the Valley. Oxygen. WHMP Northampton, WHMQ Greenfield, a Northampton Radio Group station. It's 5 o'clock.